Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. And if you're on your e-version, I'm in the CSB, Christian Standard Bible, if you want to sync up with that uh, so that the words will look the same. But it says there in Romans 12, I want to read that and bless the word as we receive it. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good pleasing and perfect will of God. Let's pray. Father, over all our activities and all our energy, Father, that you be the center of it all. I thank you that your word unifies us, that it strengthens us, that it builds us up, that it opens our eyes to the wonders uh, that come from and only from you. I thank you that you encourage us today, each one as we have need, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So last week we had a question out of the question box that we handled on Sunday morning. That's unusual, but we did it. And the question was, when reading John 4, when Jesus is talking to the woman at the well in Samaria, and he says that the time is coming and now is when you won't worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem, but the Father is seeking those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. He says that, that true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And the question was, what does that mean? Because he says it, but he doesn't explain it or describe it, right? He just says it. And then they also referenced in there, does it have anything to do with Romans 12? And so I told you, as we began talking about it last week, it was going to carry over into this week. Take us to Romans 12. It's too much to handle then. Uh, and I also want to cover one question at the end, and I'll tell it to you now so you can be thinking about it. It's not a hard question, but it's something I hope we get to talk about here at the end, if I manage my time effectively. And that is, not only what does it mean to worship in spirit and in truth, but we're going to tag onto that. Should the church be like a hospital? Should the church be like a hospital? We're going to come back to that. But we looked at the words for worship in spirit and in truth. What does Christ mean when he says those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth? And you remember the word for worship, we think singing, which singing is worship, but that's not all that worship is. An interesting way to define worship, at least in that Greek word, was what? To puppy. To puppy, like you hold a puppy up and they'll lick your face and get all on you. And just, I'm so excited that you're here. I'm so excited I get to be with you right now. That's uh, a literal definition of that word. It also means to ascribe worth to. And the definition that I gave that helps me kind of frame the thought is any thought or action that is going to glorify God from a heart that loves and cherishes him. Anything that it is that I'm doing or thinking that is glorifying God from a heart that loves and cherishes him. When we sit around that fire tonight and eat that food, we're going to be able to worship in that attitude. Eating good food, you can worship God eating good food. Amen. 
You can worship God while you're working. You can worship God while you're resting or in your working, in your resting, in your weeping, in your rejoicing. Your life, like the song said, can be worship to God. I think it's just neat how he synced that up. They were working on that. I was working on this. We didn't coordinate that. The Lord just did it. It's amazing. But to, to worship in spirit and in truth, because the Lord is spirit, which means he's what? He's everywhere. Everywhere you go, everywhere that you are, he's there. And in truth that he has made himself known. He's revealed himself to us. We're not worshiping what we don't know, which is what he said that the Samaritan woman may have been doing up until that point. But we're worshiping what we do know or what he's made himself known to be. And the thought of we worship everywhere that we go, you know, I said the kids get intimidated by that because they think, does that mean we have to be like at church everywhere that we go? Like, I want to go, I want to go somewhere else. I don't, don't let it be intimidating, but let it be an invitation to worship wherever it is that you are. Because again, where was he? He was there at the well with her. He wasn't at the temple uh, with the folks that were there. Christ, when he was embodied, he is incarnate. When he was here on the earth, he could only be one place at a time. And he chose to be right there with her. And so we're going to do a little teaching this morning. We are going to jump over into Romans chapter 12 and spend some time there. As we look at what can we learn about worship from this passage, question asked her included this and they were right. This is a point of true worship. What is it? It's a little bit more of an explanation. So, again, let's look at those first two verses again. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God or the way I learned it, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice Holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship, or yours may say your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this age or to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good and pleasing and the perfect will of God. So he starts off with, therefore, which means because of what I just said. What did he say? He said what I read to end our, our uh, time of worship this morning. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. So he's saying in view of that, how big God is, how grand his plan is for you. In view of that, brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians. He's talking to the church. Present your bodies uh, as a living Sacrifice In view of the mercies, what he's already done for you, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, he's speaking into their understanding of what worship was. Remember, this is in the book of Romans. It was written to the church in Rome. So you had the folks that were Romans that had come from that. They came up in what? Idol worship, the worship of false gods. And he's also talking to the Jews that were there in Rome that would have known about the temple observances. He's speaking into that. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. He knew that they're wanting to do something. When you become aware of God and how good he is and how good he's been, there's the want to to respond. You just have it. You are built to worship and you're going to worship something 
And he knew that in view of the mercies of God, them seeing God's mercy, they wanted to worship. And they're they're trying to figure out, like we were asking our question, what does that look like for us in this life? How do we worship this great God who has been so merciful to us? What does it look like to worship him as a Christian? And he says, present your bodies. Now, for some of the Romans, they might have said, all right, we know what that means. Here we go. Because they did some things in worship to the false gods that you don't do. You ought not to do. But what is it? Present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Also speaking to the Jews, like y'all used to bring these sacrifices to the temple. You are the sacrifice that you're bringing to worship. But what kind of sacrifice? Living. So you don't have to kill yourself. Amen. That wouldn't go very far, would it? And, 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 and in what state should this be? Holy and pleasing to God. Holy, set apart, different, because you are in Him. You're different. It's pleasing to Him. This is your true worship or your reasonable service. As you compare it, this is what the priests of the Old Testament did. This was their service in the temple. Your service as a believer is to bring your body, who you are, as a living sacrifice before our great God and King. Paul said his people are holy. They're set apart. They're different. They're a light in the darkness. And this is even more important when you look at it here, along with what Jesus said in John 4, when he said the time is coming and is even now. When you won't worship God on this mountain, the one they could see from where they were at Jacob's well, Mount Gerizim, the Samaritans worshiped God there. He said, you won't worship God on this mountain or in the temple, but he's seeking those who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. Paul is writing this to the church in Rome, which was over 1,400 miles away from Jerusalem. 1,400 miles away from Jerusalem. So how in the world could they be compelled to go worship at the temple. They're 1,400 miles away from Jerusalem. Jesus was saying that this new life in God is about to go worldwide. It's about to go everywhere. We can't, it won't be isolated just to here. Aren't you glad? It's 1,400 miles from Rome to Jerusalem. It's about 6,700 plus from America to Jerusalem where the temple was. That's a long way to go to worship. He's like, it's going to begin here, but it's going to expand out and it's going to be everywhere that my people are. How do we worship him in view of his mercy? We present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. That's our true worship. And then not being conformed to this age. To this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind so that we can know, understand, discern what the will of God is, the good and pleasing and perfect will of God is. So part of it, he says, you need to be different. Don't be shaped into looking like the world, what we came out of. 
Don't be reshaped, conformed to look like them, what they're doing, how they think, how they see life, how they treat people, how they live. Don't be conformed to that. Don't be shaped into that form. But instead be transformed is where we get our word for metamorphosis or caterpillar to butterfly to change forms completely. Be transformed into something new, something different. Second Corinthians 517. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have been created new. And he says that this happens by the renewing of your mind, taking something that's old and making it new again or returning it, restoring it to its original condition. A complete change for the better. When we came to faith in Christ, when we laid our will down before him and asked for the mercy that we saw him given out, we asked for his mercy we began to get a new perspective. We began to see, based on what He was showing us, telling us, delivering to us by the Holy Spirit, we began to see how life really works, how life in God really works, who He is, what He's done, what He's done for me, what He's done for you, what He's done in you, what He's at work doing right now. When we come to Christ, we're made holy in him. Our position is in Christ. That's our position. That's what we are. Now, our condition is catching up with our position. See how that works? You are in Christ. He sees you as righteous. You are dearly loved. Your condition is catching up with your position. Right? You're learning to be what it is that you've already become. And the example that we, when my daughter was born, our firstborn got here, I became a dad. I didn't know how to be one. I was one. Sure enough, I was. I didn't know how to be one. I had to learn how to be what it was that I had become. Our, our, our condition catching up with our position And he says, be what it is that you've become. No longer be conformed to the world. Don't go backwards. Move forwards. And you're not just changing. You're being transformed into something completely different and new. And from glory to glory, your condition is catching up with your position. And you're more and more aware of your position in Christ and what that looks like and how much, oh my gosh, how much better it is, amen, to be in Christ, to be that new creature in Him. And He said, you do that, not conform to the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, understanding from Him what life is and what it should really look like, what's really important. He says, then you're going to be able to discern and understand what it is that God is doing, what his will is, what he is at work doing. You're going to be able to begin to see that his work in you, in others, in the world around you, his righteousness at work, his renewal at work. You're going to be able to see it. Paul is telling them in Romans 12, because of what God has done, worship him. 
Lay your life down before him. Be separate, be, be set apart, be different, not shaped into or being like the world, but being changed in his presence so that you can see what he's doing. What is it that he's doing? What is it that he's doing? He writes about that next. In verse three, he says, for by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself, their selves, more highly than they should think about themselves. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. He said, by the grace of God that's given to me, what to see, to understand, to know what God's doing. He said, I'm telling you, it's not all about you. Amen. He said, I want you to not think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but be sensible about it. Be sensible about it. It's not all about you. We talked about this back in the month of January. Remember, why do people, when we're reading Philippians 4 and Paul says, I'm pressing on towards the goal, towards the mark. I'm pressing on. I'm pursuing the calling of God on my life. Why do, what's one of the reasons people stop pressing? Is they thought it was just about them. That this Christian life is just about me. It's just getting me out of this chaos, out of the fire of sin and death and hell and getting me comfortable, getting me where I'm safe. Amen. You should be there. You want to get safe. But getting me to the point where I'm out of the chaos, I've got some wisdom, everything's going well and I'm comfortable. I don't need to push further anymore. I'm to the point where I was supposed to be. Things are good. When I think it's just about me, I'll stop once things get good. And he's telling us it's not just about us. Not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Instead, think sensibly. Why? Because God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. To each one. To each person. He's distributed to each one faith. What is faith? Hebrews says it's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What does that mean? You know, it's one of those things, right? Well, he says it. I'm still, that's what it is. That's the definition. Well, what does that mean? Faith is he gives us his way of seeing everything. Faith is seeing the way that God sees. We see him the way that he is. We see us the way that we are. We see Christ having done what he did and how it can change our position and condition when we come to him by the faith that he gave us. He says it's by faith. And interestingly, Hebrews, which also tells us that it's substance things hope for the evidence of things not seen, also says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. You know, when people ask, are y'all a faith church? It says without faith, it's impossible to please him. So I hope so. I hope so. It says without faith, it's impossible to please God because those who come to him, come to God, must believe that he is God. How can you believe that he is God? Only by faith. Right? Only by faith. And what else? Not just believe that he is God, but that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So not only is he God, but he's also a good God. Who when you seek him, you'll find him when you seek him with all your heart. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Where are we going to get faith? Romans 12 said he'd give it to us. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? 
It's like, hey, youngin, without this, it's going to be impossible for you to please me. Here, here it is. Here, take it. He's distributed to each one the measure of faith. And we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to. Why? Because there's other folks we're supposed to be walking with. That's what I love about this. He's called us to follow him. Yes. He's not called us to do it by ourselves. He's not called us to do it alone. This helps us think of others differently than the world thinks of others. A transformed way of thinking about the body of Christ. And remember, we're talking about worship. We haven't even hit on any singing in here yet. We're talking about worship and part of our worship is walking together in the will and the goodness of God. Part of our worship to him, laying ourselves down as a living sacrifice to be able to walk with others. He says, now, as we have in one body, many parts and all the parts do not have the same function in the same way. We who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Well, that's weird. What's he talking about? He uses an example. Your, your body that you have, not all your parts are the same. You got two ears, but you don't have anything else that looks like them, right? You've got a lot of parts and they're different, but they're working in unity together with each other. He's like, the body of Christ is the same way. He's going to put y'all together and y'all are going to be real different. You may be an ear, you may find another ear that looks a lot like you, but then you're going to run into an eye and be like, oh, we're a little bit different. Then you got a hand and a foot, not even talking about the stuff on the inside that you can't see going on. He brings us together in diversity and then creates something new out of the unity. This is why we can't think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, right? Elsewhere in Scripture, he says, what if the whole body was an eye? How are you going to hear anything? Yeah, you can't. It's not going to be good. You'd be a great eye. You'd be an amazing eye, but you wouldn't be good at anything else. If the whole body was near, where, where, where would you have motion and strength? How, you, how are you going to do that? He brings us together in all of our differences and all the things that rub against one another so that he can join us together in unity and create something that we could have never been on our own. And he does this. Uh, look at verse six. The first part of verse six, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. We have different gifts. We're different parts of the body. We have different gifts. And it's according to what? How good we are at it? No, it's according to his grace. In his grace, his unmerited favor, something we didn't deserve, but we got anyway. He's given us these diversities of gifts. And there's worship in our diverse unity. Part of God's grace towards us, making us different and putting us together. His grace is also the source. It's not only the goodness that he did it, but it's also the source of the power that you'll find in any of these gifts, which is not exhaustive, but that he's about to list. Continuing in verse six or just start according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service use it in service, if teaching in teaching, if exhorting in exhortation. Giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. Amen. 
Let's run through those real quick. I'm running out of time. Prophecy. That's telling the future. Hmm. It's calling the future out forward. Like Kemper said, I'm going to prophesy over this. I'm going to speak the truth from God's word over something with authority, and I'm going to call it forth. Prophecy is a special word at just the right time. At just the right time. In proportion to one's faith. And I'll give you an example. And it came out of a testimony. I heard it. Overcomers. Lady that comes to Overcomers. She lives in Eldorado. She's like, I went by the McDonald's to give me a frappe. She said, I like to do that. And I'm in the McDonald's about to get me a frappe. And there's a guy in there. She said, he obviously had something going on. And what she meant is he was a little bit addled. And he came up to her and he asked her for 50 cents. And she said, I remember the scripture that said, if, if somebody asks you for your jacket to give them your shirt too. So I gave him $2. And he was so excited to have that $2. She said, and then I went back into the line and I'm thinking about my frappe again. And she said, I couldn't get off of my heart. She said, the, the spirit was telling me or the spirit was impressing on her. Tell him that God sees him right where he is. And that he loves him. She's like, that's going to think about my frappe. And it just kept weighing heavy on her heart. Tell him that God sees him right where he is and that he loves him. What was that? She was prophesying over him. And she told him and he just lit up, changed his whole demeanor, changed his whole countenance. It can be just that, not just that, like that small. But we think of it. So and the Lord said, sir, I have a word for you from the Lord above. It didn't have to be like that, right? Can be like that. Maybe sometimes it needs, maybe that's how they would hear it. I don't know. But for him, it just needed to be, hey, the Lord wants me to tell you that he loves you and he sees you right where you are. Prophecy. According to the proportion of one's faith. I don't have time to tell you about that other part. I'll tell you about that later. If service, use it in service. Ministering to a need, even preparing and distributing food. Even that. He said, if service, use it in service. Listen, we had revival Monday night at Overcomers and it happened after. It was for me. My heart was revived because it happened after the meeting. I heard a man who comes and helps, uh, doesn't go to church here, goes to church somewhere else. And he was looking for a rag. And I was like, what's he need a rag for? We got rags over here. He's like, no, I need one for the bathroom. There was a mess. Uh, somebody, I think, had an accident. And I was going to clean it up. And I was like, gosh, almighty. <laughs> I feel the spirit in this place like he, he saw a problem, not even just a problem, but a messy problem. And it was what? It was the gift of service. He, he, he was like, it's on my heart. I can't walk past that. I'm going to clean it up. If service, use it in service. Teaching to ex- instruct, explain a thing. Use it in that. The grace given to you. If giving, I think I skipped exhortation. Exhortation is teaching with a little bit of oomph behind it. Hey, you can do it. Don't quit. Don't let up. Don't stop. You're going to, the Lord is with you. He won't let you down. He's going to hold you up when you can't hold your exhortation. Again, calling out those things and speaking encouragement into somebody else. If giving with generosity, giving, being generous, and some, we're all called to be generous, and some have a gift of generosity, don't they? I'm so thankful. For those that gave way back in the 80s, 
so that we could have a place to meet today. So that we could have a place to be today. I'm so thankful for all those that give now because we're able to support not only what's going on here, but other things in our community and around the world, reaching out and demonstrating the love of God to others. If giving with generosity. Leading. Helping other people go the direction you're going when it's a good and right direction. That's what leading is. With diligence, showing mercy, just like he showed us mercy. With cheerfulness. We don't need to define that one, do we? With cheerfulness. What a beautiful gift of grace it is to be a part of the body. And the body in operation. Just, it, just meeting here today, just right here. Right now, as diverse as we are, as connected as we've become, is worship to God the Father, who has been merciful to us. Again, it's more than singing. When you present yourself, your body, a living sacrifice, not being conformed to the world, that's the way we used to be. We've learned better in Christ. We've been transformed by the renewing, the making new, of our mind. And we don't think of ourselves more highly than we ought because we're part of the body. We may be different from the other parts, but we're a part of the body. And by the grace of God, we have different gifts. We have different gifts to bless the body. Now, coming back to my question at the beginning, should the church be like a hospital? Should the church be like a hospital? Should the church be like a hospital where people who are unwell, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, where people who are unwell can come and find healing and comfort, hope, restoration? Should the church be like a hospital? It's not a trick question. Yes. Yes. The church should be like a hospital. Yes and amen. Anybody ever been to a hospital? Raise your hand. Yeah, everybody. Everybody has, right? I got to go to I got to go uh, this last fall with my grandmother uh, before she went home to be with the Lord. She had spent some time in the hospital. I got to go up there. A lot of days in a row. And you know, something I noticed is that there's people everywhere at the hospital. There's a lot of people at the hospital that work there making sure everything goes off like it needs to go off. I would walk in and there was just somebody right there at the door. First thing, right there at the door, ready to hold that thing at my head. Which I never know what to do when they hold it to your head to check your temperature, right? I mean, do I, do I look at you while you're doing it? Do I look down? What do I do with my hands? I feel like I'm, I'm not sure. It's just like, all right, go ahead. You got to a good one. Anyway, somebody right there at the door. Not a doctor. Not a nurse, not the hospital administrator. It takes a lot of people to make sure that show goes off like it's supposed to. Did you know that the hospital, Washtenaw County Medical Center, is the largest employer in Washtenaw County? Washtenaw County. Why? It takes a bunch of people. Would it be a very good hospital if you walked in and it wasn't anybody but the hospital administrator and a doctor standing there? Because the doctor doesn't even know where they're supposed to go without a nurse. (laughs) Right? 
They can do a lot, but they don't even know where they're supposed to go without a nurse. And can you imagine what it would be like if just the people who took the trash out quit coming to work? You want to go there? Right? Matthew works at the hospital. He doesn't know anything medical. You don't want him treating you. But here's what I'll tell you. With what he does, the rest of it doesn't go off if he doesn't go to work. The doctors aren't going to be able to do what they know how to do because they're not going to have what they need to do it with. Should the church be like a hospital? Yeah. You know what that means? We need all of us. It's going to take all of us. It's going to take all of us engaged. It's going to take all of us exercising our gifts to make sure this thing goes off. To make sure that it goes off, that you can help the people that need to be helped. You know what they don't have at the hospital? What they don't have? A section for an audience. They don't. Well, I think they have a place where you can go and watch surgeries. Yes, if you're learning to do surgeries. Yeah, they have people that are there watching if they're getting ready to do that themselves. If they're learning how to do it, right? Everybody has a part. Everybody has something that they're doing. And if the church is going to be like a hospital, if it's going to be our worship together, it takes all of us together. Amen. I believe that's what Paul's saying. He's not saying it should be like a hospital, but that's the way the Lord gave me. He was like, should the church be like a hospital? Yeah. Then it's going to take all of us. Then it's going to take all of us. And he's saying there's a diversity of gifts. And it's by faith, which he has given us, according to grace, which means we don't deserve it. We don't deserve to walk in what we're walking in. We don't even deserve to help people, but we get to. We don't deserve to be able to do the things He gives us the ability to do, but He lets us because it's according to grace and it's by faith. We want it to be a place where folks that are unwell can come. And we want it to be a place where the well folks can come and help those that aren't. Amen. And it reminds me of what we read earlier in the month of January when Paul told Timothy, to fan into flame the gift that's on the inside of you. Stir up, rekindle the gift that is on the inside of you. Because worship is more than singing. It's presenting your body, yourself, who He has made you to be and who He's gifted you to be as a living sacrifice. Holy, set apart acceptable to Him. How do we get that way? By faith. According to the measure of faith that He's put on the east side of us. When you get God's people, and worship is singing, but it's more than singing. When you get God's people walking in and seeing life by faith, walking in the grace that He has given to us, it's a beautiful sound. It's a beautiful sight. And just like that hospital, high up on the hill, hey, if you need help, come here. We, we, we got a full assortment of folks that can help apply healing to whatever it is that you need. Amen. Worshiping Him.
in spirit, everywhere that we go. In truth, everything that we know about Him. According to our, the proportion of our faith, where we are in our journey from condition, looking like our position, we worship Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You. Lord, You've given us a charge, and we can be intimidated by that, but we choose not to be. To worship You in spirit and in truth. To present our bodies a living sacrifice. To lay our life down. Not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, but think of ourselves as part of the body. With a gift. An opportunity to to help. To support. To add to what it is that You're doing. And I thank You that it's in that diverse unity, Lord. That a beautiful sound rises to You. I thank you that you do hear our singing. We're going to sing here in a minute. And I know it, you, you rejoice over that. But Lord, that our whole life would be worshipped to you. Our whole life would be worshipped to you. That we'll be known as a place where the unwell can come and receive healing from you. Because you're the only one that can help us. And God, that your body is going to be set apart. Something special unto you. Like unto which the world has not seen the equivalent. I thank you. That it's by your grace, through faith, and not of our works that any of us should boast. I thank you that you are growing us as we stir up that gift. As we stir up that gift that you put on the inside of us. Lord, there's folks sitting in here today that don't even know what that is for them. They don't even know yet the gift you've placed on the inside of them. But I thank you that as they bring it to you in earnestness and humility, that you'll begin to reveal that. You'll begin to reveal that. Their, 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 their part in the body to make sure that they can see your will, what you want done, and to carry it out. That is our reasonable service and is true worship to you. As we get ready to go today, I thank you that we leave in peace and unity with each other. I thank you, Lord, that you give us strength unto that which would come towards us this week and peace that passes all understanding. That you go before us and you shield our way. You're not taking taking us anywhere. You hadn't already gone ahead of us to prepare a way. I thank you that we are never, ever, ever alone. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the body of believers. And I thank you for all that you're going to accomplish this day, this week, this month, this year. More than we could imagine because that's just how good you are. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name.